James Davis. Hello, listener, and thank you so much for joining us on the Teaching Abroad pod coming at you on Wednesday, May the 12th. I am your host, James Davis. This podcast is brought to you by Oxford Seminars. If you're looking to teach overseas or online, check out Oxford Seminars' new and improved 120-hour TESOL TESOL TEFL course, complete with access to the unrivaled job placement service. Go to oxfordseminars.com for more details, or even better, attend an upcoming information session. And with that, welcome to the second episode of the Teaching Abroad pod, where we discuss all things TESOL, from travel adventure stories, food recommendations, to teaching tips and job search advice. We'll be releasing new episodes every two weeks, so be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or pretty much everywhere you can find your podcasts. On today's show, we're looking forward towards summer, uh, talking about summer fun and summer teaching jobs. Specifically, we're going to be talking about teaching English at summer camps. Later on, you will discover how you can get paid to teach English and drink wine. <laughs> you can do that by listening to our interview with Oxford Seminars instructor and true man of the world, Brent Morrison. But first, I am joined by my co-host, Alex Eland, an English teacher and current job placement advisor at Oxford Seminars. How are things going, Alex? I'm doing well, James. I'm excited for some warmer weather. How about you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you very much. So, Alex, it's my understanding that you've taught at English camps in several countries. Um, just wondering, where was the first English summer camp you taught at? Yeah, the first one was in South Korea, just outside of Seoul. And um, it was up in the mountains in a sort of um, mountain resort. And it was a beautiful facility, like, you know, full hotel, banquet uh, service kind of rooms and uh, swimming pools and you could do hiking. And so it was really gorgeous. And uh, they put us all up in the hotel basically. And we used, they had a sort of a big conference room. And so we just kind of used partitions and dividers and divided that up into sort of makeshift classrooms. And that's kind of where we did all, all our classes in the big hall. And then we'd go out and do other camp fun activities uh, around in the grounds in the afternoon. Very nice. Um, and do you have any stories uh, to share with us about your time teaching summer camps? I do recall you mentioning something to me about the Michael Jackson classic thriller. Yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans and fun stories from all these summer camps. Uh, that one was in Taiwan, so another place I thought a summer camp was in Taiwan, south of Taipei. Again, a sort of a similar uh, location in the mountains at a sort of mountain resort. But this one was really something special. They had like multiple swimming pools, indoor and outdoor pools. They had an indoor climbing wall. They had karaoke rooms. They had all kinds of amazing facilities. So we got there and we thought, wow, this is going to be, and it was a gorgeous spot. So we thought this is going to be really special. And what we didn't realize what it, was that like, yeah, it was English and teaching English and all these other camp activities. But what we ended up doing a lot of the time was dancing. And I'm not sure if, they, if it's always like that at this camp or if it was just that year, the coordinators, but somebody was crazy about pop music and teaching the campers 
all these dance moves to the pop songs that were popular then. So all these Superman dances and stuff. And so it was basically like every morning, 7 a.m., we'd all be down in the hall and just cranking pop music and learning all these silly dances. And then we'd come back after lunch, do another session. We'd come back in the evening. So it was like two to three hours of dancing every day. And, uh, and the good thing was it got the kids a lot of exercise. So like it was definitely beneficial and fun. But I think the English teachers, like we were pretty universally bad at learning all the dances. We just kind of, you know, stand on the side and try. So started to make up for it. Somebody came up with the idea of uh, on the last night of camp, there was going to be a bonfire and we wanted to do something not to scare the kids, but something maybe a little bit interesting. So we thought once the bonfire was set up and it was getting dark and the kids were there and they were playing music, all the English teachers would sort of drift off into the background suddenly. So no one would notice. And then suddenly the music would stop and it would be that pregnant pause and then there'd be that eerie start of thriller which is like a door creak sound or something a cackling and then out of the darkness as the song starts all the English teachers would come dressed as zombies zombie dancing up to the bonfire sort of out of nowhere and uh so yeah we, we would take off every night after camp and we'd go across the street to this little parking lot and we just learned the thriller dance, like all the English teachers. It took us like five nights of practice. Uh, and so we learned this dance and yeah, we pulled it off. And I don't think we scared anyone, but uh, I think they were definitely pretty surprised. Very nice. So no tears. No tears that time. One time in Korea, there was a, a funny similar situation, but this was ghost stories. So one of the other teachers was actually a published children's author. And he'd written all these books and he just was able to just spin tales like he was just he could just improvise stories. So he started telling his class like, OK, if you're good all day at the end of the day, oh, you'll get a story. And his stories were so amazing that his class would then tell all the other kids. Oh, our teacher can tell these amazing stories. And so everybody had heard about it. So at a certain point, I my students were saying, hey, we want to hear one of his stories. So I. I asked him, hey, can, for the last period of the day today, can we switch classes? I'll cover yours and you can tell my class one of your stories. And he said, yeah, sure. So as we were doing the handover at the end of the day, he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to tell him a ghost story. And I said, okay. I mean, I didn't think anything of it at the time. I figured he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. So we did it. We switched. He told the story. That was the end of the day. Uh, and the next morning, I didn't find out anything had happened until the next morning. We're all at breakfast. And like five camp coordinators come over and they grab me and him and they go, you two come with us. And we're like, oh, and they said, what did you do to those kids? <laughs> we were like, like, what do you mean? Said, they were all just had nightmares. They couldn't sleep. Like two of them went to bed. It was we had to call their parents. So I don't know what story he told, but he scared them. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So wow. that's the kind of shenanigans you get at these summer camps. It's like revenge of the teachers. Yeah. And you get a real mix of people who do them too. So you get like younger teachers, older teachers, sort of more traveler teachers. You kind of get an interesting melange, but uh, they've all been really good. I also taught at one in Poland and that was beautiful because uh, they had two locations, a castle and a palace. And so these were sort of like old castles and palaces that over time had been converted sort of more or less into sort of country 
resorts, not fancy resorts, but sort of beautiful. And so they had beautiful grounds. And uh, the palace, for example, had this huge wooded area. So we got into playing capture the flag games and we could just play these epic capture the flag games because it was just like this massive wood. So you divided them up into two teams. Each team gets 10 flags. All right, you get 10 minutes to go hide your flags. They'd race off through the woods, trying to hide these flags at different spots. And then we'd blow a horn. They'd all come back in and say, okay, one, two, three, go. And like mad dash to try to find these flags. So it was amazing. And, um, but one time there, they also had a, like a soccer pitch, a football pitch. So we were playing soccer on the, on the field and we didn't realize it, but there was like a hornet's nest in the ground somewhere in the, in the pitch. And so we didn't notice that, but as we were playing, one poor boy stepped on it and this explosion of hornets came up and it was sort of like a, something out of a war movie. Like kids were just getting hit and falling like, I'm hit, I'm hit. And they were going down and going down. And most of them were fine. Like a couple got stings. Most of them didn't really get stings. But the poor boy who actually stepped on the nest got totally stung all in his arms and his neck. And so we had to call an ambulance. They had to take him to the nearest hospital, which was not nearby, obviously. Had to call his parents. And it was like, oh no, what have we done? So it was, and so it took ages for him to get to the hospital and get treated and get brought back. So all through the rest of the afternoon and through dinner, all the counselors were just like, oh no, his parents had come. They're going to be so upset. We're going to get in so much trouble. And this poor kid, he might've gone into shock. Like we didn't know. So finally after dinner, we're getting all the kids back into the sleeping area accommodations and the ambulance pulls back up. And so all the kids are out there out front and his parents are out there and the camp coordinators, everyone's out there and this ambulance pulls up and he gets out of the ambulance and he's like bandaged, like totally bandaged his arms and his waist from the top down, just one giant bandage. And so he comes out and he's standing there and all the kids are looking at him. And there's like this moment and we're thinking, oh no, he's gonna start to cry. And so now he's gonna cry in front of the whole camp. So like insult to injury, it's bad enough already. Now everyone's gonna see him cry and it's gonna be like so traumatic. And there was this moment where he's looking at everyone. We were looking at him and then he just raised his arms and he went, yeah, like he just gave this cheer, like I'm back. And all the kids just went, yeah, and they ran up and it was just like, oh, thank goodness. Nice. So seems like teaching at summer camp should come with a health warning. Yeah, at the very least. That's fair. Um, we're actually gonna take a short break uh, and then we're going to treat you to um, our interview with Brent Morrison to talk a bit more about summer camps. Um, these summer camps are a bit more gentle than the ones that Alex just described because they include wine, lots of wine. Um, but for now, here's a word from our sponsor. With Oxford Seminars, starting your new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 20 years, and you could be next. Their comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas, or even teach from the comfort of your own home, Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. Call 1-800-779-1779 by May 14th, 
and give the code POD512 to get $50 off your Oxford Seminars TESOL course price when paying in full. If you're too late, don't worry, there'll be another code in the next episode. Now back to the show. We are now joined by Brent Morrison. Brent is an ESL teacher, writer, and has been inspiring new teachers as an Oxford Seminars TESOL TESOL TEFL course instructor since 2007. He has a B.Ed. and a degree in cognitive neuroscience. His teaching exploits have taken him to South Korea, the Czech Republic, Taiwan, and beyond. Brent, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Brent, this episode is somewhat about summer camps, summer teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of your um, teaching experiences? For sure, for sure. Uh, teaching experiences specific to summer camps or in general? Uh, for now, summer camps, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Sure, absolutely. Um, so the 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 most frequent uh, summer camp I've, I've visited, I've been there five times now, is in uh, Voltice, which is a small town in the south of the Czech Republic. Um, I, I came across this job from a, a friend of a friend who had posted looking that he was looking for teachers. Uh, my friend tagged me in the post, so I responded. And he started texting me. He's like, let me call you. I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, he's like, let me explain the school. He said, it's built around music and wine. Uh, it's called Pavel's English School. And he said, your job is you teach English all day, but then uh, three nights through the week, you take your students to a wine cellar, uh, continue your English lessons and drink wine. And I was like, yep, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful region. Um, the the school used to be run out of uh, Chateau Valtice, which is a, they call it a castle, but it's not like a, your typical like wartime castle. It's more of a, like a resort, like a, a medieval era resort, I would call it, uh, where the, the, uh, the royalty would go to for their summers kind of thing. Nice. Yeah. So how long would this last? So the, the course you go for two weeks, um, you go there for two weeks. They have, the students come for one week each. So you have two sessions. Um, you, it's, they do have st- children it's mostly geared towards adults the kids don't come to the wine cellar obviously <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you'll typically have a, a few classes of, of children uh, do some sports and games in the afternoons with them and some art classes and it's, it's kind of like a, a fun opportunity for them to have a good time on their summer vacation but also practice their English and then the the adult students range uh, from very low level up to to very conversational um, so there's you know you have to prepare a, a good amount of material that is flexible um, cause you don't really know their level until you get there and you meet the students. So you, there's a bit of prep work ahead of time. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. I I'm still in touch with many of the students I've taught there. Um, uh, we've kind of, I've seen them even most of them I've seen for one week each summer for five consecutive summers, but we've just built a, a bond and a friendship over that. It's great. Yeah. I, I taught myself for a couple of months in, in the Czech Republic and it, it's just so friendly and welcoming and the social side of things with your students is is really good in the Czech Republic I find. I agree I agree I, I really I find you just bond very quickly and and I like it's a beautiful country um, I really love the the food the culture the the beer and the wine are both excellent too <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, uh, so that's a highlight um, and it's yeah it's just a really nice place and it's it's one of those things um, had I not taught English abroad or, or had this this experience as an ESL teacher I may have never gone to the Czech Republic. You know, it might not have appeared on my, you know, if I'm going to go to Europe, you think of France or Italy or something like that. And I might've missed it. So I really like that uh, this, I won't call it a career path because it's sort of you know, adjacent to my career. Uh, but this, this is an opportunity to go to countries that maybe you might not go to otherwise. 
So how did you find that job? So, yeah, as I said, uh, a friend of mine had her, it was her high school history teacher uh, wow. posted that he was looking for teachers. Um, and she tagged me in it knowing that I had taught English in, in South Korea prior to that. Um, and then, yeah, I, I got in touch with him. Um, I'm still friends with him too. He lives, I'm in Peterborough now and he lives here. Um, and yeah, just kind of went through that. Since then I've become, I've kind of have my own session. So the first two weeks, the program runs for six weeks, six one week sessions and teachers go for a two week chunk. Um, so I've, I've now, last year it was canceled and we're not sure about this year, but prior to that, the first two weeks was kind of my session. So I was responsible for recruiting the teachers and, and getting a team together, um, which I, I tend to draw from my, my Oxford students. You know, it's one of the things I mentioned in the class, like if anybody's interested in possibly teaching in the summer, please let me know. So how many teachers would you be recruiting? Usually four or five. Um, it, it depends on the student enrollment. They, they aim for five. Um, sometimes they've only they've had a teacher maybe only come for one week and they'll just make do with that but they try to get we try to have five do you take bribes to get <laughs> on this program <laughs> absolutely <laughs> all right i will be in touch <laughs> excellent yeah um so how does uh how does this camp uh compare in terms of like uh the salary and benefits uh you know com let's compare it to like maybe other summer camps or a typical job in in the czech republic Okay, yeah. Now, I don't have a lot of familiarity with other jobs in the Czech Republic, but I can compare it to summer camps in, in Taiwan or South Korea. Mm. And I look at it more as like um, a working vacation. So okay. the, the remuneration is basically enough to cover your flight so you can get there for free. They provide the accommodations, they provide your meals, they provide the wine. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, so if you look at it that way, that you can basically go to the Czech Republic for two weeks and spend very little money to do so. Uh, it, it's great that way. If you're looking to like, you need to save money for school or something, it's not ideal for that. Um, but I look, I always, anytime I've gone, I, I take the opportunity to go there and then I always try to book off uh, another week or two after the course to just travel around Europe. Cause once you're there, it's so easy to get around and, you know, go to Germany or go, we went to Iceland one time, went to Austria, Poland, uh, Hungary, just while you're there, just check things out. <laughs> Nice. check things out oh sorry please cut that <laughs> so how well, is the uh, food and accommodation at this castle resort yeah so yeah the uh the castle itself it was it's built in the i think the 1400s so it's about five four or five hundred years old um and it's yeah it's quite cool um like the the rooms are fairly small and you'd probably be bunked with another teacher um and there's no air conditioning or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's old, <laughs> but it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and the, the castle grounds, um, there's great trails through the woods and things. And there's a garden there that was actually planted uh, by Marcus Aurelius uh, when the Romans ruled that area. And they've kept those plants, which are imported from, from Italy, um, they've kept them going there. And you, you pay the equivalent of like a dollar to check out the garden. But it's, it's a really, I love history. And it's a very cool experience to walk through this garden and think like, a Roman emperor, this was where he went to, to meditate and, and give his thoughts. Um, so it's, it's quite nice. And the food, um, Czech food, if you're not familiar, is very heavy and rich. Yes. A lot of uh, meats and cheeses. Uh, like the first meal we had, I thought it was fish and chips. It looked like a, a, a brick of, of some fish and that had some tartar sauce. It's actually a brick of deep fried cheese. Wow. <laughs> and that's a meal. <laughs> so it's, uh, I mean, not great for your heart, but it's, it's good for the soul certainly is um and so how would you compare that experience 
to uh, those that you mentioned in, in Korea and Taiwan. It's a little bit different, I'd imagine. Certainly is. Yeah. I mean, you know, this one being a, a summer program, it's a little bit, it's long, your days are long, but it's a little more relaxed. You know, mm -hmm. they understand people are, they're using their vacation time with their adults to come there or if their kids are on school vacations, they want to, they focus a lot on, on making sure everybody has fun. And honestly, that's the best way to teach in general. Like if, if your students are having a good time, they're going to practice more freely. They'll, they'll do, they'll do better. Um, South Korea, I think is a, is a prime uh, candidate country if, if you do need to save some money if you got to pay off student loans or you're trying to save for a down payment for a house I found it really easy to save there like you know uh, my accommodations were covered uh, they pitch in for your flight um, sometimes they pay for both your return flight both ways sometimes they'll pay one way but either way it's very good um, the pay is is pretty good um, and it's it's easy to save like the country itself doesn't cost that much um, I mean, you can, but like when I was there, granted, this was a, a few years ago, um, but I, I did lots of things. I went to travel to Malaysia, went to Japan. I got LASIK eye surgery. I got two gold crowns from root canals I had to get while I was there. So I, I spent money doing things and I still managed to pay off in two and a half years, all of my student loans. Uh, where about, whereabouts were you in South Korea? I was in, uh, on the Seoul subway system in a, a, a place called Pyeongchon was my actual community, uh, which is attached to Anyang, which is a, a suburb of Seoul. So if you kind of pare it down the way. I always found it interesting. Anyang is also Hello. So I, I yeah. was in Hello City. Nice. So how did you find out about that job? That one there. Um, so I ended up, I looked through some of the recruitment things that Oxford Seminars offers. Um, and I actually ended up finding it uh, separately. So through uh, Dave's ESL Cafe. It's a pretty popular resource for English teachers, and they have job boards for Asia, for uh, specific to Korea, and then globally. Um, so I found, I actually found uh, a job on there that didn't work out. I, I got the position through the interview, and then I just, I didn't hear anything from them. So I messaged on the board, like, hey, is this something that happens? And somebody immediately responded and said, like, I'm really sorry that happened to you, but we're, we're hiring at my school, if you're interested. And uh I, yeah, that, that, that's how it worked out. And I ended up there for two and a half years. So I, I quite liked it. Nice. Uh, and this was a hug one? Yes. Yeah. And after school academy. Yeah. So sometimes they get, have a little bit of a bad rap, but uh, how, how did you find it overall? Yeah, I quite liked it. Uh, you know, the first experience of, of being offered a job and then never hearing from them, that's, that seemed to be something that does happen, unfortunately. Um, but I really feel that the, the Korean government especially has uh, done a great job of cleaning up the industry. And making sure that schools aren't ripping people off, that they're not they're not treating their teachers poorly. Uh, my experience was fantastic. I I loved it. My school was great. Uh, the hours really suited my lifestyle. Like I didn't start till three thirty p.m. and I was done by like nine. Um, so it was great if I wanted to go out afterwards. And everything in Korea is open all the time, so you can you can go for dinner with your friends at ten o'clock and whatever. Get home late and get up late and go to go to work. Um, uh, and I liked I taught kids there so ages roughly six to 16 we went up to middle school yeah um and of all different levels uh, all the way up to our, our highest level is called gate course and that's for students who had lived in canada or the u.s and returned to korea but wanted to maintain their practice of english um so i had some great conversations with those students as well and then while i was there i managed to pick up a, a side gig at lg electronics they have a, a research and development center in this in the city that i was in so i got to teach cell phone engineers english so it was nice to have adults too I had that two days a week yeah I, I think a lot of people don't realize uh that those kind of side gigs exist like there are some very lucrative corporate yeah. teaching jobs in south korea very much so like i taught two hours 
on Tuesdays and Thursdays over their lunch hour. They provided me with lunch as well. Um, and it worked out to basically like, like a hundred dollars an hour, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So once I got that position, I lived off the money I, I made from LG and all of my Hogwin pay went to pay down my student loans and it, and it was great. Yeah. So with your, your summer camp teaching, was that through the Hogwan? No, no, that was, um, oh, oh, summer camp teaching in, in Asia. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it was, yeah, we did, uh, they, so during the school vacation, they call it their intensive program. Um, so the kids get vacation, which means they go to school more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they ran a, 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 a sort of, we'll call it a camp. It, and they did try to make it different than the, the typical uh, curriculum. They tried to make it a little more engaging, a little more fun. Um, there were long days. Like as a teacher, I was there from like 9 a.m. till 8 p.m. Um, with a couple of breaks in between. So it was long days, but but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. I missed out on when I taught English in Taiwan. I applied, but I applied too late. There's a, uh, a thematic camp in, just out on the outskirts of Taipei. Um, and the year I was there, it was a Star Wars theme. So I could have gone to teach there. Uh, six weeks of, of Star Wars themed English teaching, which I'm so regretful that I missed the application deadline. Wow. <laughs> That, that just wouldn't be fair. You can't have wine and chateaus <laughs> and Star Wars. Like, there has to true. be a line. That's true. I have to leave some for others. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what were the uh, daily schedules like at these camps? Was it up and breakfast and then into classes and other activities? Or was it a mix of activities and classes throughout the day? Yeah, kind of um, both in Korea and in, in the Czech Republic, they seemed, so we'd get up, we'd have breakfast um, and and you're typically, the students are in the same area. So you'll mingle and then that. Um, and then the morning session tended to be more academic, maybe because everybody's minds are fresh. Um, the heat hasn't really hit. Um, so we would do um, in the Czech Republic, for example, each morning I would teach three one hour sessions um, of the students were broken into levels and they would rotate. So on a typical day, you may teach low, low beginner, intermediate, or something like that. And it just depends on how the day flows. Um, so you'd have three academic lessons in the morning, then a lunch break um, with, I think we had an hour and a half break after that, just sort of free time, which the advice to me, especially in the Czech Republic, given that the wine cellar is a prominent feature in the evenings, uh, the, the the teacher that recruited me said, take a nap. <laughs> that's, that's what you do with that time. And I, I adhere to that advice. It's very good. Um, then the afternoon session are, uh, at that school are their sports for the kids. And then they do, uh, like a, a, a beginner discussion an advanced discussion grammar, um, and a, usually like an activity or something like that. And the students sign up for the one they want. So each teacher will take a turn teaching each of those things throughout the week. Um, so for example, like one of my more popular, uh, advanced discussions, we've done one on space, um, I've done one on uh, genetics. So like you can get some, some pretty interesting topics and the students self-select, like if they're interested in that topic and they're of sufficient level, they can come to it. Um, and then in the evening classes in the Czech Republic, so after the afternoon session, uh, we have dinner together. Um, and then there's another little break and the evening is, is much more geared towards like just relaxation and fun. So there's a, a music session, um, art, uh, sometimes a teacher will run like a, a yoga or something like that. Um, and I love those. The, the school itself, it's called Pavel's English School. And Pavel Bruska is the, the founder of the school. And he was actually a Czech pop star in the 80s. 
Um, so they showed me some of his like music videos where his, his hair's blowing in the wind and he's got his guitar on like a raft. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so he's very musically oriented. The whole family is, is super talented. Um, so the music class, all the students get a songbook at the beginning of the course and we sing these songs many times throughout. Uh, it's very Beatles heavy. They tried to choose English songs that are kind of cross-cultural. Um, so like the, the, the singing song session, he'll lead it playing guitar with his, his son and daughter to accompany. Um, and he somehow selected me to sing. I don't know why, but that's been my role every year I go there and it's always pretty good. You go through the lyrics of the students, sing the songs. And, and uh, sometimes I've brought some sort of Canadian content. Uh, like we did Wheat Kings by the Tragically Hip one year. Um, another time I did not Canadian, but, uh, patience by guns and roses, just kind of broaden the horizons a little bit, but yeah. So they try to mix it up. It's academic and fun, which is good. Sounds like a long day though. It is, it is. And then, you know, on the, the three nights that you go to the wine cellar, so you finish at, at seven 45 is when the, the evening classes wrap up. And then at eight 15, you go to the wine cellar till, till the wine's gone basically. Um, so yeah, it's, I, when I, the first year I was there, uh, I, I brought a friend with me and both of us, we had a fantastic time and we asked Pavel, can we come for all six weeks next time? And his response was, you might die. Ah. <laughs> so, and after doing it a few years, I'm like, yeah, two weeks is plenty. <laughs> uh, and there's always, um, they do to, um, Actually, both in Korea and, and in the Czech Republic, uh, we had uh, a teacher talent show was part of the thing. So the, the teachers have to come up with a skit or something like that, which is, it's always one of those, like, it feels kind of hokey and you, you don't know, but the students love it. And if you just, just get into it and it's great. I guess that, that kind of uh, leads into a question that I want to ask you. Do you think it's for everyone, this type of teaching, or do you have to be a certain kind of teacher to get into it? I feel like um, having energy, and that's that is independent of age. There were two older teachers; they were retired women. Um, I would say in their mid seventies, and they were awesome. They they came uh, so this, you know as long as you have that mindset and you can you can you can do it. Um, but I do think for the especially for the summer camps, um, be prepared to to be energetic. You know, um, if you're, especially with kids, it's their summer break. It's nice outside. They're going to be high energy. You need to match that. Um, but that said especially in the Czech one with some of the advanced discussion classes and things like that, you have a chance to like kind of bring it down a little bit. You don't have to be that, that sort of animated teacher all the time. You can just, you can have a serious discussion as well. And the students, because not all students want to be high energy all the time. They'll, they'll select into those groups and it, it, it kind of works for everybody. Were there any teachers that didn't make it just couldn't get through to the end? <laughs> We've had, um, they've all made it through, but there have been some that the school quietly said, maybe don't invite them back. Right. Um, and, the, and, and it is, it, yeah, again, you know, it's, it doesn't, doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes it's just, they're too drained by the end. Um, or, you know, unfortunately, because there's wine involved, uh, you, you need to measure yourself and you got to teach in the morning. So, you know, when the wine cellar wraps up at one it's probably a good idea to go to bed. <laughs> Um, but for the most part, it, they've, they've, they've all thrived. And most of the teachers that I've brought there have reached out to me again to try to come back. Uh, nice. Okay. Um, with regards to like underrated destinations, you mentioned the Czech Republic being one. Mm -hmm. I sometimes think that Taiwan is two when compared to like the big three of Japan, Korea, and China. Mm -hmm. uh, how was your time in Taiwan? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, when I taught in South Korea, 
a lot of the teachers that I taught with uh, that stayed in teaching ESL in Asia migrated to Taiwan. It seems to be a, a common step after, after Korea. And I think employers in Taiwan, uh, they certainly value experience that you have in other Asian countries. Um, I really, really liked it. I like, I'm not a big fan of winter and Taiwan is, is quite temperate, uh, bordering on tropical. Um, and I, so I like that aspect of it because Korea still gets a, a bit of a cold winter. Yeah. Um, the pay per month uh, was a bit higher, but you had to pay for your own accommodation. So that, that was the one difference. They'll kind of include a stipend towards it, but it wasn't typically enough to cover it. But on the plus side of that, instead of being shoehorned into the apartment that the school has, you can find your own spot. So when I when I was teaching there, I actually roommated with uh, a teacher that I met in South Korea. He taught at my school in, in, in Anyang, in Pyeongchang. Um, and yeah, we just found a spot with a two bedroom. It was awesome. We had a rooftop patio. It was great. Um, the teaching there, I, I did find it um, quite similar. Yeah. But I would almost say a little bit more relaxed. I felt that the students, maybe maybe from their parents, weren't driven quite as hard as the Korean students. Um, so they, it was a little bit more relaxed. Um, maybe that's just a fluke of the school I was at. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I had a great time there. Uh, really good kids. I, the school I taught at, my, I taught from grades one to four. Um, very small classes. There was only about eight students per. And I was also the science teacher. So each each week I had to do for the entire school some sort of science experiment or something like that that they could all watch and then it, it was challenging to to make it so the advanced students the older students and the the, the lower students could all participate equally in, in the experience um but yeah i had a lot of fun we made uh i i mixed i looked online and found a recipe for like baking soda and flour to make snowmen and they loved that. And then I showed them what happens when you mix vinegar with that. And we melted all the snowmen. All the kids were like, oh, just blown away. This like foam volcano out of the snowmen and that. <laughs> nice. Um, how long did you end up staying in Taiwan? For? I was only in Taiwan for about four months. Um, okay. I, yeah, I, I went there. So after leaving South Korea, I came home to Canada, uh, finished my degree, and then uh, went back to school to get the cognitive neuroscience degree. And then I was sort of in a not sure what I was going to do. As I said, I, I had gone uh, to UBC with an opportunity to pursue a PhD and I just wanted to take a break to kind of get my head clear. And Magda, the uh, teacher that uh, she took my Tesla course, I kept in touch with her and she was in South Korea. So I went to visit her and that's when we started talking about maybe going traveling together. Um, and that led to me uh, reaching out to my friends in Taiwan. I was like, you know what, if I can get a short-term gig, it's a little bit easier to get those in Taiwan. Typically in Korea, they want you to stay for a full year. Yeah. Um, and I managed to find something that was that was short-term enough. It worked out great and never looked back. Perfect. Um, one more question before we uh, wrap this up. You've taught uh, the Oxford Seminars course as long as anybody has. So <laughs> yeah. do you have any advice, words of encouragement uh, for anyone thinking about taking the course? Yeah, first of all, do it. Um, if you're actively thinking about going to teach English abroad, I recommend you take that step. It is, and whatever, whatever, wherever you are in life, if you're just graduated university and looking to go, or, uh, or if you haven't, you know, there are schools that, that you don't need a university degree, um, or if you're just a life change or something, it is a profoundly life-changing experience. You will learn more about yourself, about the world, um, than, than I think you could in any other way. 
um, being able to go and immerse yourself and truly live in another culture, you'll go through all the ups and downs of culture shock and, and adaptation. Um, but from that, you really kind of develop a self-confidence. Um, you learn a lot about yourself and you really get a, a perspective on the world. Maybe it's cliche, but it's very true that we are all the same at heart. The languages might be different. The cultural practices might be different, but the humanity is the same. And it's really valuable, I find, to see that. And once you see it in one country and you go to other ones, you see it everywhere and you become more comfortable just going to other countries and interacting with people. And um, it's like, of all the things I've done in my life, that one has probably shaped me as a person more than anything. So I highly recommend it to anyone who's thinking about it. Perfect. Um, it was so great having you, Brent. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you very much for the invite. Uh, it's been great to chat. If you want more Brent Morrison content, uh, he wrote an excellent series of blogs um, traveling throughout the world with Magda. Um, you can find those at oxfordseminars.com forward slash blog. Um, Brent, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the sunshine. And uh, I hope we get to do this again soon. Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh -huh. And you guys have a great day, too. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Don't forget, you could get $50 off your Oxford Seminars TESOL TESOL TEFL course price when paying in full by calling 1-800-779-1779 by May 14th and giving the code POD512. Oxford Seminars is one of the leading providers of TESOL TESOL TEFL training courses in North America. So visit OxfordSeminars.com today to find out more. Now back to the show. So I want to say thanks again to Brent for his wonderful interview and making us all wonder what we've been doing, not teaching at a castle whilst drinking wine. Um, Alex, before we wrap this up, can you give us an update from Oxford Seminars Job Placement Service? Yeah, we're thinking about spring and summer, uh, summer jobs, short-term positions, seasonal positions. So uh, typically, traditionally, we've had summer camp positions in China. We've had summer teaching jobs in Japan, also in Thailand. We've had four-month intern positions that run over the spring and fall in Mexico. And we've had several short-term volunteer opportunities in some really interesting destinations like Guatemala, Cambodia, Costa Rica, Colombia. Um, I know from my own experience, I've taught at camps in Poland, South Korea, and Taiwan. So those are countries which we know there are often great summer camps running. And currently those countries are all, well, Korea and Taiwan are all still able to bring teachers in on, on work visas. And for Slovakia and the Czech Republic also, so likely for Poland too. And so, yeah, there's, there's quite a few opportunities still on the table for spring and summer of 2021. And hopefully there'll be even more uh, for next year for spring and summer of 2022. That's great. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, thank you again to Brent. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to the Teaching Abroad pod. We'll be releasing new episodes every other Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe and also share it with your friends and loved ones. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any good place you can find a podcast. If you have any great ideas you'd like to hear us discuss in upcoming episodes, please leave them in the comments on YouTube or send them in the comments to Oxford Seminars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can even email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com.
Thank you.